Learn how to alter your DNA. Expand your consciousness. Heal your body. Attain oneness. Sound, light, heat, vibration, and emotion. Changing us. Learn from the masters and grow wise. Hello and welcome to Health in Action Live. This is Annette Blanchard, holistic health practitioner, bringing you 60 minutes of Healthy Talk Radio. I want to give a special shout out to a couple of our sponsors for helping us make Health in Action Live possible and helping us to plant seeds of hope and uh, help for to help humanity heal because at this program we try to plant those seeds of possibility for people to look at what are our options in our overall picture of life of what we can do to participate in our own healing process. Today we're going to explore perhaps one of the most important groundbreaking discoveries of all time with and we're going to also talk about the science and the clinical studies that are now backing this multifaceted health benefits that thousands of people are actually receiving and experiencing. Everything from pain relief, a good night's sleep, weight loss including health improvements with children challenged with autism, MS patients, diabetics, cardiac patients, all are experiencing improvements with their health and their well-being. And we're going to explore a little bit what that is all about. So today our guest is Clint Ober, the author of the book, Earthing, or what some call Grounding. Clint has spent over 20 years researching and digging into the topic of grounding and has literally unearthed possibly potentially one of Mother Nature's most significant hidden mysteries that is probably classified as a foundational pillar in the overall healing process and one of science's probably greatest breakthroughs of all time. However, like with any pioneer, as we know, when they dare to think outside of the box, they're often met with skepticism and end up being classified as a quack or a nut or eccentric or maybe even just out there. But the heart of a pioneer's passion will push them to pursue until they prevail. Later on, it's humanity that relabels them as a genius, even though at the time they were labeled otherwise. And a lot of times they don't get the recognition until they're long dead and gone. However, Gratefully, um, Clint is here with us today, and he's our special guest and with a passion for humanity, and he did prevail, and now his initial curiosity has evolved to an amazing discovery that truly has created a ground movement that's starting to sweep the country. I'd like to welcome you to the program, Clint. Well, thank you, Annette. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to come online and visit with you. Well, you know, when we talk about grounding, you know, I was talking over the last uh, couple of weeks to different people and I was, you know, curiously kind of wondering, 
does anybody know anything about grounding or earthing? And so when I would ask the question, most people would look at me with this, you know, curious, you know, a look on their face. And, and some people that were possibly more in the hippie generation or the metaphysical world, you know, they could relate to, relate to a person being grounded or, um, you know, more balanced or earthy. In simple terms, how would you define grounding or earthing? Well, first of all, <clears throat> um, just a little bit of my background. Um, I have about 30 years, I have a 30-year background in the communications industry. And in that industry, we have to ground everything to the earth in order to maintain electrical stability and integrity of the system. Uh, for instance, when a telephone or a cable television drop goes into your home, it has to be grounded prior to going into the home. One, to prevent uh, lightning, static electricity, and the environmental type electrical things. And, and then, uh, uh, but, but anyhow, it's all about electrical stability. And so <clears throat> it's like if you've ever experienced, walked across a carpet or whatever and touched a doorknob, and you felt that little spark. Um, mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're grounding electricity, that's a charge on your body. You're grounding it to the doorknob or your or vice versa. And so anyhow, uh, basically I had a working knowledge of ground. And what ground is, when you connect something to the earth, like a, the, when you plug in your refrigerator, there's a little uh, a third prong on your plug, mm -hmm. and it goes into the ground, the grounded hole on your electrical outlet, and that goes to a wire that goes all the way through your house into, into a ground rod driven in the earth at some point. So when something, I mean, the earth has approximately a 20 to 50 millivolt negative charge, and that's kind of a foreign term to most people. But what it means is it has a, an abundance of free electrons that can rapidly move and reduce charge. Um, <clears throat> so a human being... When you step on the earth barefoot, your body is conductive. So when you step on the earth barefoot, then your body equalizes with the earth, meaning it absorbs that negative surface charge of the earth and becomes the body itself becomes negative, meaning that it is, you have an abundance of free electrons, and the only thing that they do is they reduce charge or they prevent charge. So in... <clears throat> In about 1960, that's when we started wearing the rubber sole shoes, mm -hmm. and that's when we insulated ourselves from the earth. And so from about 1960 to present, we have been more uh, what you would call positive charge or equalized with the atmosphere, or when you take your shoes off, stand barefoot on the earth. So that's grounded. You'd be at earth potential, meaning you would be at the same electrical surface charge as the earth. Okay, when you're looking at talking about um, electrons, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading um, about, mm -hmm. you know, the earth and and uh, and they talked about uh, a measurement as far as the hertz. Now, is that what is called the Schumann resonance where the earth has a specific um, energy? Is that different than the, the ions? Yes, the um, 
the negative surface charge of the Earth is just a, uh, if you can imagine, a thin blue layer of tiny, tiny marbles, and it covers the entire planet. And then whenever you touch the Earth, then your body becomes uh, totally covered with blue marbles, these little bitty blue marbles. And so if there's a charge anywhere, it'll automatically reduce the charge, eliminate it. And we can get into that more later because that's where the inflammation comes into it. But the Schumann resonance is, is really interesting. <clears throat> um, and what it's based on is the, the um, electrical resonance between the Earth and the ionosphere, you know, which is about 60 miles up. And <clears throat> so at any given moment on the Earth, there's about 2,000 lightning strikes a minute. Or, or more. And that generally happens wherever it's two o'clock on the, on the planet near the equatorial region. So, and, and, and what happens is at, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning, wherever it's 10 o'clock, you know, the earth is turning, the sun stays in one place. So the earth is turning and as the earth turns in the morning, it warms up. There's no heat coming from the sun. There's um, radiation coming from the sun. And as it hits water molecules on the earth, then it wiggles them and causes them to heat up, kind of like a microwave oven. So when we feel heat and from the sun, it's radiation from the sun warming up, oscillating, I mean, uh, energizing, um, you know, water molecules, heating up water molecules in our skin and in our body. Um, <clears throat> so... But anyhow, so at 10 o'clock, um, we start going into, between 10 and noon, you start having evaporation. So as the sun is hitting the earth and it's evaporating the, the water, the moisture on the earth, and then it builds up into the clouds, into the sky. So like at 2 o'clock, you look up, there's always clouds around 2 o'clock. And then they start building up and becoming more cumulus. And then right at 2 o'clock, as that happens, then the Earth, I mean, the temperature starts to cool because the Earth is turning and not getting as, as much radiation. Or the strength, the amplitude of the radiation is less. So now the, the clouds start cooling, and then you start getting the lightning strike because of the electron imbalance of the clouds versus the Earth. And so that lightning and that electrical energy that's taking place between the Earth and the clouds create the Schumann resonance. So the thing that's significant about that to us, and I hate to be so technical, but the thing that's significant about the Schumann resonance to us is the amplitude of the electrical activity of the Schumann resonance, of the lightning and everything, is the highest at noon at any given point on the Earth. And then as time goes on, you know, 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, then you as a person traveling on the Earth are going with the Earth and going further away from the sun, so it quiets down. The amplitude of Earth's electric field quiets down. And <clears throat> so what we've learned is, I, I can give you, maybe I'll give you this as an example. For instance, when we did one of our first studies, we measured cortisol. We were telling people and... Hey, Clint, we're um, getting a little bit of feedback. I don't know there's like a... I don't know if there's your mic is rubbing up against anything. Oh, okay, I will. Uh, 
tie my hands down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Okay. No, that's fine. But anyhow, cortisol, we did it. One of the first studies we ever did was cortisol, and it ties to this human resonance. So what it is is the the Earth has its own electric field, and that's what this human resonance is. So in our first study, we did cortisol. We took a dozen subjects, and we measured their cortisol every four hours for 24 hours. And then we went and measured, uh, after about six, eight weeks, we went back and we grounded them for a period of six, eight weeks. And then we redid the test to measure the circadian cortisol secretion profile. And what we learned was is we had three, three subjects in the study that were airline stewardesses from New York, but they were, the study was being done in San Diego. And so they were based in San Diego. And um, so they had time, so they participated in the study. But their cortisol levels were off three hours from the people who were in San Diego. And so we knew that because they were on New York time versus San Diego time. But as soon as they got grounded, then their cortisol normalized and synchronized to San Diego time. So what this means is the amplitude of Earth's electric field is, is a cueing mechanism for a lot of the hormone cascades and a lot of the um, rhythms of the body, the circadian rhythms of the body. So it syncs up. And so when the amplitude is high, then certain things happen. When the amplitude is low, certain things happen. But this is all related to the Schumann resonance. So <clears throat> did I answer your question? One of my questions. Okay, okay, when you talk about uh, the circadian rhythm of, you know, the cortisol, and of course, obviously, when a lot of us are running on adrenaline and the cortisol is pumping, it's one of the, the things that really contribute to a lot of issues and conditions in the body, you know, uh, with the metabolism, digestion. Uh, however, circadian rhythm is also interrelated with our sleep patterns as well. Is that not correct? That is absolutely correct. And sleep deprivation is probably one of the hugest problems in the United States from, from stress levels, from night people that work at night or people that are under specific lights and they're not getting enough, uh, enough uh, type of light. Um, what type of studies have you done or have you that have to do with uh, sleeping um, and people that are suffering from sleep deprivation. Okay. Well, in the cortisol study, that's where we learned about sleep. That's the primary. And we have uh, 20 years of uh, anecdotal and observational um, studies. But, <clears throat> anyhow, what we learned with there's only one reason on planet Earth that you can't sleep, and that's because of cortisol, elevated cortisol. Because sleep is autonomic, meaning your body is going to go to sleep if you're not interfering with the natural processes. So <clears throat> I often, um, are you okay? I often, yeah, I'm fine. I, I'm just trying to get organized here with my uh, mic. Anyhow, so, <clears throat> The, um, 
I lost my thought there for a second. I'm sorry. Mm. Would you start me over? Uh, we were talking about the circadian rhythm and the uh, okay. cortisol. Okay, so the circadian rhythm, what we've learned is that uh, cortisol, if you're, when you sleep grounded, I mean, it, it grounds out the inflammation, it quiets the nervous system, calms down the cortisol, and people sleep better. But the real question you need to, to ask and, and to understand this better is <clears throat> what is causing cortisol to be elevated? And cortisol is directly related to your fight or flight system. We all have a fight or flight and, and it's innate in us. And I often tell the story of like uh, when I was a kid in Montana, we would, you know, spend a lot of time babysitting cattle. So, but in some years, uh, you'd be sitting out there, nothing to do, but you would watch the rabbits. Some years there's lots of rabbits and they're the big ones with the, the big ears, the jackrabbits. And then you watch the coyotes sneak up on them and try to catch them. And what happens is the rabbit is sitting there eating grass like there's nothing, you know, that's what he does. And then all of a sudden the coyote sneaks up on him and then the rabbit will sense the coyote. The coyote jumps, the rabbit springs, and this is all cortisol just skyrocketing up. And then the rabbit zigzags back and forth across the pasture and coyotes chasing him. 99% of the time the coyotes are going to run out of energy. So he's just going to drop. <clears throat> the rabbit will run just a little bit further, then it'll sit there. I mean, once he sees a coyote stop, then he doesn't run very far, conservation of energy. And so the rabbit just sits there and he's shaking like a leaf because his life has just been threatened. And then all of a sudden he has a big shake and then he goes back to eating grass like nothing ever happened. Now, to me, and we know this from some of the animal studies, that basically he had a, a huge cortisol rush. The cortisol gave him the energy to, you know, run, you know, the fight or flight. And But as soon as the race is done, then he grounded it out. Then he went, life went back to normal for both the coyote and the rabbit. So if you take a human, or take us, we have all these coyotes in our lives today. And, you know, it's like you get up in the morning, you've, you've got the kids, you got to go to work, you got to do this, a hundred different things, then you got to drive, you got to put up with traffic. Fight um, California traffic. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's endless. <laughs> and so, but your cortisol is chronically elevated. So everybody's living in a chronically elevated sympathetic state, meaning your fight or flight is just constantly being triggered because your parasympathetic, I mean, your, or your sympathetic nervous system is it's responding to every, everything you see, everything you smell, feel, your cold weather, hot weather, um, uh, road rage, you know, all of these things. And uh, the parasympathetic is generally, as soon as there's a fight or flight response, the parasympathetic usually releases some hormones to calm that sympathetic response to the point that you can make a decision for just a few seconds or a second, do I run or do I fight? Mm -hmm. Once the decision is made, then the chase is on. So, but, but that's what causes, I mean, so normally the, the parasympathetic calms all of this down and maintains everything level. But what happens is if you live in a chronically elevated sympathetic state, meaning a lot of, uh, a lot of stress, 
then what happens is your parasympathetic is operating with you know the um, with hormones and your adrenals and so, on, and it eventually becomes exhausted. Then the parasympathetic over responds, and so when the parasympathetic does this, then all of a sudden it's cortisol. Uh, it's releasing cortisol, and then the cortisol is um, not being grounded out or not being, you know, it's just chronic. So eventually you end up with anxiety, then a little bit of irritability, and it can lean to depression and so on. But basically the real problem is you create all this inflammation in your body, and you don't ground it out like the coyote and the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And so what happens then is as the anxiety or the irritability or all these things start to build, then eventually you become more stressed and more stressed and more stressed. And that takes, that shows up in life, but you become chronically stressed. And then eventually your immune system becomes chronically stressed because it's trying to clean up the inflammation that your that fight or flight system is creating. And then as time goes on, the immune system becomes compromised. And then you have fibromyalgia and lupus and MS. All right. And you create that, that domino effect. I have to, have yes. to say, um, one of the things I have to attest to is, you know, that stress factor, because every one of us, and there's many of our listeners that are going through stress for one reason or another, whether they're at a crossroads of change, you know, in their in their careers, whether they are um, battling, uh, you know, a debilitating disease. And, you know, even as a health practitioner working with people fighting for their life, you it's interesting how you somehow take on that stress. And what was interesting, I found myself up at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and I would just get up and I would start journaling. And I started thinking, oh, wow, this is like more like my rhythm now. But when I ran into you a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, hmm, I'm going to get one of those grounding mats and see if it like really works. And I have to tell you, the very first night I slept through the night, and I don't think I've slept through the night for a whole year. So I mm-hmm. thought, wow, this is really interesting. But I also got the pillowcase cover and I had some inflammation in a tooth. And I do not have that constant ache where that inflammation is. So that takes us into that inflammatory process. And let's talk about Dr. Stephen Sinatra, a leading cardiologist, and how you ran into him that got you looking at the uh, physiological uh, roots of what was kind of going on when we were not grounded. Okay. Um it was quite by accident that I discovered that if you ground the body, if you have pain in the body, the pain disappears. This was back in 99, 1999. And back then, the word inflammation was not in the language. I mean, no, no practitioners or scientists, nobody was using the word inflammation. They were using uh, all kinds of different concepts. <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, once I began to understand that grounding the body, uh, that if you had any pain or inflammation or sleep, you automatically slept better and your pain and your and your pain would drop. And so over a period of time, and we had done a couple of studies in between, but in one of the studies, um, we had, um, it was the, actually the cortisol study. And uh, we didn't really understand a lot of why does grounding affect cortisol? Why does grounding, you know, we know that cortisol had to do with sleep and it had to do with 
oxidative stress. And uh, so anyhow, we went and we sat down with Stephen, who was a cardiologist. We, we, we were talking to the scientific community and to a lot of the, the practitioners and so on. Nobody understood anything electrical. Everything was about nutraceutical and exercise and lots of other good things. But the but so anyhow, when Stephen came to town for a seminar in San Diego, we, uh, Dr. Golly, who was helping us with the... Um, Cortisol study. He said, "Let's go visit with him because we had all this heart rate variability and we had all this um, study from cortisol. Let's, let's go talk to Steve." And so, because he's a cardiologist, cardiologists they understand that the body is electrical first. I mean, everything is electrical. The heart, the brain, everything is electrical. So, anyhow, we sat down with Steve and talked to him for quite a bit, grounded him and a few of his friends, and had a nice time. And so I was telling him the story and everything, and he leaned over and he says, Clint, he says, you need to be studying inflammation because if you have pain in the body, you have to, pain is a byproduct of inflammation, of oxidative stress. And at that time, I didn't know what the word inflammation really meant. I mean, inflame is what it means, body on fire. But I didn't understand what it meant, or how how does the body get on catch on fire? Uh, how does uh, you know how does this oxidative stress occur and all this? So it was at that time in our discussions with Stephen and him, and Stephen cueing me to say that you know if you have pain in your body, you, 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 the pain is a result of inflammation. So you're not resolving pain; you're resolving inflammation, and the pain goes away as soon as you reduce the inflammation. So that's how it all got started. And so then we spent years, and Stephen was involved from then on, uh, doing studies and trying to say, okay, we know what it does. We know that it has all these benefits uh, for people, but yet we don't understand how it works. We don't understand how just grounding the body alone can um, reduce inflammation. Uh, and when you reduce inflammation, then, and then also blood viscosity, it normalizes blood viscosity, meaning if you have thick, sticky blood, when you get grounded to the earth, then the earth, the little red blood cells become negatively charged, just like the earth itself. And then the little red blood cells repel each other, and they can't stick together, like in a well, you know, real low formation. Well, it sort of reminds me of like a magnet. But getting back to um, inflammation for one moment, you know, when I think about inflammation, and it is it is true, you know, before we looked at, you know, oh, uh, heart disease, we looked at cancer, we looked at fibromyalgia, but we never really looked at the common denominator that was consistent and involved in every one of those conditions and realizing that, ah, inflammation is the root cause. When inflammation is dealing with your arteries, we see blood pressure issues and blocking of the arteries we see uh, uh, circulation issues when we have um, inflammation uh, in uh, the tendons it's called tendonitis in the bursa it's called bursitis in the gut it's called diverticulitis so anytime it's an itis it's usually an inflammation but one of the yes. things that's interesting is thermography and thermography I remember years ago when I interviewed <laughs> on it it was before it was the cool thing it was another one of those pioneer uh, situations where they they were starting to look at it primarily when uh, in court cases when uh, there was a, an auto accident and it was through thermography that you could actually see where there was heat and inflammation. And 
and I was looking at some of the research that you guys did, and it was used actually thermography before and after grounding. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, that uh, research that you did? Yeah, that was uh, some of the first research we did. Uh, we ran into a, a group up in the Bay Area who specialized in doing thermal imaging. Um, and it was primarily for breast issues and things like that. And so what we would do is uh, inflammation is heat. So with thermal imaging, when you um, do the thermograms, what you're seeing is a difference in temperature in the tissue. And so we would take people who had various uh, inflammatory issues, and then we would ground them for 30 minutes. We take the therm thermography before and afterward, and then you could actually see that the the body cool. I mean, the fire it, it just literally put the fire out. Yes, and when you look at the pictures, you know the pictures have almost like if you have a say, you take a picture of the back, right? If they had low back pain, when you see yeah. that photograph, it has a picture where you'll see where there's a lot of inflammation. You'll see the color red as it goes further out. You may see more orange and more green as it goes further out. So, what's unique about the thermography um, is that you can see visually the before and after the grounding where those hot spots that showed really red actually start to change. Yep. And that's what give us that gave us a strong visual image of what was occurring, but still we didn't understand the actual mechanism involved. Mm -hmm. And so when we ended up doing the blood viscosity studies, then we learned that it, by normalizing blood uh, and as soon as you ground the body, the body, the body, the blood cells go 20 millivolts negative on the average. And mm -hmm. now the blood thins and it can get in and out of the capillaries, which, you know, you have better oxygenation of the tissue and reduction of inflammation. So, <clears throat> but still just to put it in perspective, what causes inflammation was the big question. And that's when we recognized that basically what happens when you have a pathogen um, or you have a damaged cell or tissue damage, what happens is the immune system sends neutrophils to uh, destroy the pathogens or damaged cells. And how it does that is the neutrophil will go over and wrap itself around and actually encapsulate the pathogen and release reactive oxygen molecules. And these, <clears throat> the word reactive means that the molecules are electrically charged. And so within a nanosecond, they're going to rip the electron or let, rip, rip electrons from the pathogens. And that's how the immune system destroys them and damage cells. So in nature, the body is always negatively charged. So if there's any excess reactive oxygen and there's no free electrons around, it's going to steal an electron from whatever's adjacent. So it'll steal an electron from a healthy cell and damage it. But if the body is negatively charged, 
then every cell in the body has excess electrons and there's a, an abundance of free electrons that automatically prevent this uh, collateral damage. So as soon as you put shoes on, then your body becomes less negative. And then as, because your body is, your immune system is operating 24-7. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a war going on in your body at all times. And <clears throat> so the, the immune system is, works with, it, it's electrical, it works with radicals, reactive oxygen. And um, this is what they call oxidative stress or oxidation. And it's very damaging to the body. So when you see like in the therms, the oxidation stops, the body cools down and returns to normal just in 30 minutes of being grounded. So, so that was when we figured out how, well, what grounding was doing. It was actually just, it's a reservoir of free electrons that prevents um, reactive oxygen from damaging normal tissue. Right. And, and, you know, the impact of that oxidative stress is the age, it accelerates the aging process. It's sort of like what looks like when an apple starts to decompose, it starts to turn brown, your skin goes brown, your joints deteriorate, and you get wrinkles, your hair turns gray. That's all part of that oxidative stress. And then it also wears down your immune system. What's unique about the dark field microscopy, because you're actually really looking at the body from several different different physiological perspectives and um, not a lot of people in traditional medicine really use dark field microscopy but it's very fascinating when you do look at the red blood cells and you see them all the little red blood cells all stuck together in a big line like a caterpillar and then you look at the blood after and the blood is floating freely. So when you think about things like diabetes or you think about things like cardiovascular or blood pressure issues, it makes common sense. When the blood flows freely, it's improving oxygenation, the removal of waste products, you know, the, uh, the absorption and the delivery of those nutrients and whatnot as well. One of the things that I found interesting as well is because... As you know, because of many reasons, and now I'm learning even more the impact of the lack of grounding and the fact that we've had those synthetic shoes that it's preventing us from rebalancing our own electrical system ourselves. Um, there was a lot of research that's been done with autism. I yes. am curious about autism because I see it as a rising condition Uh in the younger generation, a couple of my friends, their grandchildren have autism and or their child has autism. How can grounding help um, an autistic child? Okay, well, <clears throat> there may be many causes of uh, autism. I don't know. But I do know one thing from observing situations, uh, families with autistic children that have come along and that some who have recently developed. <clears throat> what we learned is what we, is if we, I'm going to use a different metaphor. It's like when you have an asthma attack or you know somebody has asthma, all of a sudden they can't breathe. The reason they can't breathe is because they breathed in some pathogen 
And so the immune system, <clears throat> cytokines, came to the rescue and they started reducing the pathogens. And in the process, the excess reactive oxygen that was produced by the uh, cytokines <clears throat> are damaging lung tissue. And then all of a sudden you lose your breath because you are experiencing a super cytokine storm. So if you ground that person within 30 seconds, that calms down. Throw them in a swimming pool, anything, take their shoes off, put their hands and feet on the grass. An asthma attack will stop almost instantly. Um, so what happens is, um, I think with autism, and I'm just sharing observations here. Okay. But you take a child who is healthy as can be, then uh, he ends up getting a series of shots and whatever, and then one morning, all of a sudden, uh, something's wrong, and then it gets worse over a few days. So <clears throat> just common sense tells me that when when I was a child, for, I'll back up, when I was a child, we would get measles inoculation for mumps, for rubella or whatever, but they were 30 days apart or some or longer. And today, they issue these shots, and there's like, can be as 10, 20 different inoculations in one shot. So what you're doing is <clears throat> now the immune system has to respond to all of that. And so you end up with a, again, a super cy a cytokine storm or a massive immune response. And in the process, the body's on fire. So autism is an inflammation-related health disorder. That's in the literature in the last two or three years Dozens of studies, dozens of papers, John Hopkins on down. Autism is an inflammation-related health disorder. So the, what can create inflammation in the brain that's going to damage the brain uh, in a very short period of time? So it's a cytokine storm and whatever, you know. <clears throat> so the, the main thing is you got to put the fire out. If, if it's fresh, I mean, if it's something that just happened, then the odds are you're going to, that you're going to be able to have a lot more success with grounding them out and keeping them grounded, and then they're recovered. But the ones who go for too long, then sometimes the damage becomes irreversible and so on. But anyhow, I, I'm not an authority on the subject, but I can tell you, I can tell you this: you cannot have inflammation in a grounded body. You cannot have autism, according to. Autism is an inflammation-related health disorder. You cannot have inflammation in a grounded body. So if your child is getting shots, you need to get them grounded until that time is long past uh, to prevent any kind of a um, super immune response. I don't know if I'm going too far here. You can tell me. No, that's um, fine. But, you know, when you think about autism and, you know, brain-related, you know, I think we could probably classify Alzheimer's dementia into that category as well, don't you think? Uh, yes. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, cancer is a good example. Animals in the wild, there's no such thing as cancer, except in a few incidences where we've contaminated the environment or something. But at the National Wildlife Institute in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, there was a paper that they put out where they had examined over 100,000 wild animals. 
and they only had like a couple dozen cases of cancer over all those years in 100,000 cases, 100,000 examples. Okay, animals who live indoors with their owners, they have a death rate, a 50% death rate from cancer. They have diabetes. They have a lot of these health disorders. They have, they manifest the same health disorders as their owners. So it's environment. So we know that it's environment. The animal world tells us that it's environment. So all of these health disorders that are inflammation related, there's, there's a hundred of them that are common. Anything from Alzheimer's to cardiovascular disease to cancer to lupus to MS to diabetes to autism, they're all the immune system is compromised, meaning that we've created so much inflammation in the body that the immune system is now bogged down trying to clean up the damage that it itself is creating because there's no ground. And <clears throat> eventually the immune system weakens and then all of these health disorders begin to manifest. Where if you, as soon as you ground and the body becomes negative, then it puts out that fire, stops that immune process, and then the immune system can stop wasting all of its energy fighting the, the inflammatory damage and go back to doing what it is designed to do in nature, which is maintain and restore health. Right. And for those of you that just tuned in, you are listening to Health in Action Live. This is Annette Blanchard, and we are talking with Clint Ober, the pioneer and... Uh, of the earthing book the most uh, important health discovery ever and we're learning a little bit about how getting grounded uh, can help rebalance our body's physiology from the inside out from our cells to inflammation all kinds of different health issues athletes are also starting to use grounding and I've I read about the Tour de France and again, obviously, being a sports therapist, I'm kind of, oh, well, that makes common sense, you know, because inflammation, again, when you're exposed, you know, uh, uh, bursting with energy and, you know, just the recovery process, there's a, a teardown of tissue. So tell me a little bit about how they're using it with the Tour de France and more and more athletes. Okay. Uh, athletes are the biggest secret about grounding. <laughs> They all use it, but they don't really talk about it. They don't really understand it. They just know that it works. And there was a big study that came out not too long ago about icing uh, for injuries actually probably being more damaging than beneficial. I read that as well. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So what we did is we did a study – with the University of Oregon up in Eugene. We did several studies up there. But the first thing, one of the studies we did is we took a dozen 20-year-old students who were in good physical shape. And then we would take and have them do various kinds of um, exercises and like, for instance, having carry it, you know, 20% of their weight on the shoulders and do, um, you know, trying to burn the calves and trying to create inflammation in the body. And then what we did for five days after that, they would do MRIs twice a day. They would draw blood twice a day. And 
all the subjects in the study, they all ate the same food at the same time of the day. Uh, everything was exactly identical, and half of them were grounded, half of them were not. The ones who were not grounded, I mean, with see, what we were trying to do is we were creating inflammation in the body from exercise. So normally, three days after you um, exercise, you have what they call delayed onset muscle soreness, which is inflammation, and sometimes you can barely walk. So what we were trying to do was to create recreate that, uh, that effect. So half the subjects were grounded during sleep and throughout the day. The other half were not. The ones who were grounded did not manifest the same levels of inflammation and pain as the ones who were not grounded. That was how we learned that <clears throat> grounding prevents that inflammatory. When you exercise all day and then you go to bed at night, then you have you haven't grounded out that uh, inflammatory inflammation that you created. So then it sits there and kind of creates problems all night long. So you wake up in the morning, you're stiff and you're sore. So, <clears throat> so anyhow, the, once the athletes found out about that, then, uh, I think for, you know, seven years in a row, we grounded the Tour de France teams, uh, the U.S. Postal team and the team discovery. And we actually had a couple of people that would go from hotel to hotel ahead of the, the, the race and um, have everything set up so when the riders got there at night, the triage center was grounded. The when they went to bed, they automatically had recovery bags and grounded sleeping bags, grounded patches, and so it was really remarkable because for the first time in history, all of the riders of the team finished the race in, in virtually every every race that we were involved with that they're still doing it, but we don't get as aggressively involved. But so the tour de France, uh, was a spectacular grueling event where implementing the grounding just played this. Uh, I, I don't know how to give you detail. Um, well, for, quite for the, yeah, well, to me, it would make sense. Like I said, because again, when athletes are performing, you know, there's a the metabolic whole process that occurs and there's a recovery process that needs to occur yeah. as well. And so um, and also part of the whole purpose of sleeping, right, is the repair and the recovery phase. Yeah. Did you use uh, do you think that the mats are the most effective as far as the type of um tools because you have actually created a couple of tools for uh, somebody that says, oh, well, I don't have the money to spend. They can simply go outside and spend time out on the grass, right? Or on the ocean or their feet in the dirt or their hands in the dirt. That's probably why I like to garden because I like my yeah. hands in the dirt. Yeah. The majority of the time uh, I'm at a seminar doing seminars or interviews, all of these things, I'm generally talking to women, and the thing that I know about grounding is the first thing that happens once is, and, and I encourage it, take your shoes off, go outdoors, stand barefoot on the earth, sit on the earth, put your hands and your bare feet on the earth, and if you can't do that, just take a chair out, sit on the chair, take your shoes off, put your feet on the grass, or anywhere there's a little bit of moisture, or even on the even on the concrete, even on the patio, 
if you will sit there for 30 minutes, then what happens is your body's going to go negative. If you have any inflammation in your body, it's going to begin to subside. Your energy is going to come up. Your color is going to change. Your um, demeanor is going to change. Everything changes when you get grounded because what you've done is you've taken a big load of stress off the body. And it's like an attitude adjustment almost. Yes, yes. So I encourage anybody before they do anything to just go out and spend some time grounded, a half hour at a time if you can, and do it a couple times a day. If you can't sleep at night, go out and stand barefoot on the earth for 15, 30 minutes before you go to bed. I guarantee you, you're going to sleep better. Uh, you get up in the morning, if you have stiffness, aches, and pains, go stand on the earth for 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, and you're going to be just like being energized like a, because you are. Your body is being charged up like a battery. Well, for some people, that's really not practical, right? You know, if you live in Canada or in some, you know, areas where the weather may not be as great, but you've created these wonderful tools. You've created like um, a patch that you put specifically on a particular thing. But this is the thing that I think uh, confuses people because there's an electrical cord that you plug into a plug-in on the floor and then you plug that cord into your mattress pad or your... The, the clip it to the cord to your pillowcase cover, if that's what you have. And I think to myself, well, aren't I getting exposed to those electrical impacts? Right. That's what you would think. Um, <clears throat> there's a reason why um, sensitive electrical communication systems are grounded to the earth. is to protect from electromagnetic interference and to maintain electrical stability. The human body is the most electrical thing in the environment. Every cell in your body is electrical in nature. Uh, it has 70 millivolts negative on, on, or, I mean, on the outside, positive on the outside, 20 millivolts negative, and every time it <clears throat> wants to take in nutrition or get rid of waste, there has to be a Depolarization, repolarization, where meaning the negative charge drops and the positive increases and vice versa. And that's how cells take in information. Not only that, all cells communicate, talk to each other with electrical uh, impulses or radio waves or frequencies. We have nerves, nerve transmissions, all these things, but they're all electrical. So So what we're talking about with grounding, it's very simple. The earth itself is a constant. And when you're standing on the earth, then your body is negatively charged. You cannot have inflammation when you're grounded. So so then, then the body and the immune system, everything can work like normal, like as in the animal world. So what we're doing with these products, in your home, in most homes, all homes built after 1970, you have a ground wire. It is the third prong of your outlet. The little round hole is connected to a ground. The ground wire, a wire that is running through your house from outlet to outlet and then to a ground rod outside in the earth. So it is, so now earth's electrical potential comes up that wire, up that ground rod, up that wire, and it's just sitting there in that in that hole. I mean, that is earth. That's what we call it. It's an earth port. So when you connect 
a wire to it, then that wire becomes uh, a continuation. The and then when you connect, yeah, the grounding wire. And so then when you connect it to a, a mat or a sheet or an electrode patch, um, then the, the device, the grounding device becomes negative also. So it's equal to the earth. It is identical. So all we're doing is we're replicating earth in, in your living environment. We're replicating the electrical surface charge of the earth on this net. So now when you touch it, sleep on it, sit on it, then your body is going to absorb those free electrons from the earth. And this happens pretty much at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. uh, electrical is fast. Uh, <clears throat> so your body is going to become negatively charged quite quickly, and that automatically releases a stress and tension, an electrical tension on the body, and it starts putting the fire of inflammation out. And as the blood circulates once a minute for, you know, X number of amount of times, then all of a sudden it's starting to put out the fire of inflammation wherever it is in the body. And then everything kind of returns to normal. So grounding, the word grounding actually means return to normal in electrical terms to prevent um, electrical, to prevent charge, to prevent fire. Inflammation is body on fire. When you ground, grounding prevents inflammation. Okay, wonderful. And for those of you that have been listening, we have been having a conversation with Clint Ober, pioneer of the greatest earthing movement that's sweeping across the nation. And if for those of you that are interested, you can go to healthinactionlive.com, click on the link for earthing. It will take you to his website, and there's a wonderful documentary. It's actually fabulous. I know we're running out of time here. We just have a couple of minutes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that documentary? I was so impressed by the uh, the science and the, the research that was on it to quantify what you've been doing and everything that you've been working for for this last 20 years right what we did is uh, it was it's very authentic meaning that everything in it is real <laughs> and it took several years and we filmed it along the way but basically what it is uh, it's a straightforward history of how it all came about and then it explains a little bit about the science but uh, most importantly it has a group of very credible people that tell their stories and their experiences with grounding. And one of the most significant is Richard Koch, who spent 40 years in public health, uh, 30 of those years at the FDA. And uh, he's now retired from that. And he said, this is the most important thing, device, a grounding mat, the most important device that's come across his desk in his entire 40 years. But, but what he builds the story around is his mom, who was, was 92 when we first met her, and she was suffering from peripheral artery disease. So we grounded her and got immediate results, and then he took interest in it. And then now, at, I think, 96, she's still playing tennis. 
Which is shocking. So, so if any of shocking. you have laid your uh, tennis racket down and you want to pick it back up, you better you get yourself one of those grounding mats. We've been having a yeah. conversation with Clint Ober. The topic has been earthing. We've been talking about his book, the clinical research behind it, how it can help a plethora of different health conditions. If you want to learn a little bit more, uh, watch the documentary, tap into healthandactionlive.com, click on the earthing link. It'll take you to his website. You can explore the different products that he has that are practical. If some of you are sitting in front of a computer or you're in work all day, you can get a sleep mat. There's also some other mats that you can put around your computer. And I just wanted to ask you really quick, is this helpful for people that have exposure to cell phones and computers all day? Well, yeah, because basically that's one of the reasons why everything in the electrical world is grounded, to prevent EMI, electromagnetic interference. Will you promise to come back and talk to us a little bit more about grounding and earthing and uh, update us on what's new and exciting? Anytime you want. Okay. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Health in Action Live, BBS Radio. And thank you again for tuning in every week, bi-monthly at 6 to 7 p.m. God bless your day and have a wonderful day. Bye for now.